Hi, you're listening to episode 48 of Daisy Geek Girls. I'm Swapna Krishna. And I'm Preeti Chibber, and we are recording on Friday, August 21st, 2020. Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> this year has, like, stood still and gone. Like, time has no meaning anymore. Time is fake. Yes. Completely. I think we say this every episode now. But I think we do. It's very true. Like, I feel like we just recorded our last episode, like, three days ago. I know. Honestly. Like, it's, it's it's so wild. It's weird. It's weird. It's, everything is a lot. Everything is a lot. Everything is, is happening. And I was talking to um, a friend recently, and something that's weird about doing the work that we do, which is, all, involves a lot of, like, long lead planning. Mm-hmm. You know, when, like, books don't come out for a long time, or when you're planning coverage of events, or, like, whatever it you're is. you're working on a thing for, like, six months, and it's completely secret, and you can't talk about it. Yes, and also it's, like, forces you to have to think, like, I was looking at potentially, like, trying to say what I can say about something that's not, that hasn't been announced yet, but it's something that could potentially be involving a date in, like, spring 2022 mm-hmm. and you're like i can't even fathom a month from now yeah like what what the world will look like in four weeks let alone in a year and a half yeah like we're and working so on that- our anthology like fine kind of finalizing it and to come out maybe like summer of next year and it's just like i don't even know it's really hard. It's just, it's very difficult to like fathom that amount of time away right now when yeah. everything feels like, it feels like nothing is moving. Yeah, I think my my coping mechanism, and I think a lot of people are probably in a similar boat, is very much of just trying to focus on the next few days, like yeah. the next, yeah. you know, like I know that there's stuff that needs to be planned, but it's, it's so impossible to think about that all I can be is like, okay, next week, what am I doing? Yeah, yeah, that is, I agree. That is it, right? Um, but <laughs> speaking of which, I guess. Yep. <laughs> next week, what am I doing? So, so news portion, mm-hmm. August is a weird month because I have multiple books out this month, which is a very strange thing to say, but Star Wars, The Clone Wars, Stories of Light and Dark comes out on Tuesday. Yes, and I have a, I got a finished copy of it, and can I just say, it is an absolutely gorgeous book. Like, just the way the book is put together, it's got original art for every story, and it's, it's, it's a just, it's kind of like, it's not necessarily an oversized hardcover, but it's like a little wider than a traditional hardcover, and it's just, the four, like a lot of thought went into the presentation. It's a gorgeous book. Yeah, I haven't seen it. I haven't, I haven't looked at it. Something that's uh, part of, a, like you know, a little bit of a system breakdown is I actually haven't gotten author fo- uh, like author copies for any of my books yet. So I, they're out in the world. Yeah, but I yeah. haven't seen what they look like, and I'm so excited to like hold it in my hands. And also, I really want to listen to the audiobook, which I am not an audiobook person. Yeah, yeah, no. I actually have found that I really like doing a lot of the Star Wars stuff on audio, because um, I don't know, I'm so familiar with, sometimes fiction is hard for me to follow on audio, but I'm so immersed in the world, like I know the world so well, that um, I can follow along a lot better on audio than I can with other stories and so I've done like I'm right now I'm actually listening to um I should probably save this for the end um I'll save it for the end (laughs) because I don't I never have I always feel um I have a complex because I never have as many things I'm into as Preeti does (laughs) and so I'm like here's my one thing and Preeti's like here's my eight so okay so now I'll have two things now I'll have two things I don't sleep anymore. I was talking to well, and and again, like I'll mostly talk about this later. But uh, a friend DM me yesterday and was like, "Tell me when you're done with UA, and like I I want to hear what your thoughts were." And I literally for like a full minute was like, "UA, what is UA?" And I was watching like when I got that DM, I was watching an episode of The Umbrella Academy clearly talking about the umbrella academy and i could not for a full minute like put a put it together and i was like Those i told her like, you need a nap yeah yeah <laughs> um 
but you know there's there's stuff happening there's stuff that's the other weird part is like stuff is still releasing and coming out so well it's weird because stuff is coming out like books are still coming out but like content like tv is is very much at a standstill i feel like at this point i feel like for the first few months, we didn't feel the impact as much because production was already done on a lot of things. Yeah. So they were just releasing it. And now we're starting to feel like there's no, there's not a lot of new TV. There's not a lot of new. So, um, and in some ways that's good because I feel like there's too much, there's too much TV. And so like, I can't keep up with it, but now it's a little easier to be like, oh, this new thing is coming out. Um, like one new thing that's coming out that I'm excited about is um, in October, National Geographic is dropping on Disney Plus uh, The Right Stuff, which is an, uh, probably, I would guess, like anywhere from six to ten episode series about it's a remake of, you know, Tom Wolfe's book. And then there was a movie, a fam- very famous movie, but it's just the story of the Mercury 7 astronauts. And like, I have a feeling in normal times, nobody would be ta- would talk about it because, you know, it's just another space show, but... Now I feel like it's going to get a lot more attention, maybe episodic recaps and stuff like that in a way it wouldn't have because there's not as much content. So the stuff that's... Is it fiction or is it... It's not, it's... I mean, I would hesitate to call it... I don't know how they're doing this show. There was a lot of liberties, I feel like, taken with Tom Wolfe's book. Okay. Um, It's kind of dramatized nonfiction. Okay. All right. Because it's, it's a true story. All the people are real... It, it is how it happened, but that some of the things he chooses to emphasize and embellish and focus, it's embellished, like, for it's drama. it's not a documentary. Series. No, 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 no. It's not, okay. it's not, it's not a documentary. So I'm excited about it. Um, it's a great, I love the story of the Mercury 7. It's timeless. Um, well, probably, actually, I should probably start pitching recaps of it somewhere. <laughs> it just occurred to me. Uh, something else coming to... Disney Plus in just a couple. No. Oh no, yeah. No, two weeks. Two weeks. Two yeah, weeks. I think three what weeks today. Two weeks because it's like September seventh or something. <laughs> it's like, what is the date? Uh, Mulan is coming to Disney Plus, which I, it's there are all these movies that we were all so excited about that have are just kind of in stasis. Strangely enough, like the rest of us, um, you know, like the Eternals, uh, of course. My, like, grief for our loss of the May of Dave Patel will never yeah. mm-hmm. die. Like, Green Knight, David Copperfield, all these movies. But Mulan was one that, the live-action Mulan, which is now coming to Disney Plus on an interesting pay structure system. Yeah, um, there's been a lot of criticism of that. But, I, I mean, I just, I think it makes sense. Um, I, I, I do think if you were, go- so it's basically, I think you pay $30, and from what I understand, yeah. it's $30 to quote unquote rent, but you can, once you pay the $30, I think you get like unlimited streaming of it. I don't think you it's do. like a rental. It's not like a 24 hour rental. Like you pay $30 to be able to stream it or you can wait, you know, six months until it comes. I'm sure it'll come to Disney plus like six months later uh, for free. But um, there's been a lot of criticism around them not dropping it for free on Disney. And or like a reduced, you know, like the usual like three ninety nine or five ninety nine you pay, and that seems unrealistic to me. Like they need to make money off this movie, and we want them to make money off this movie because we want more, more stories about Asian characters. So it seems very odd to me that people would expect this to be free with their yeah. subscription. I get. I guess yes. I mean, I paid uh, $19.99 to, like, rent Emma, the new Emma, back in, like, God, who even knows now? But, like, they tried releasing um, kind of a home, like, on demand, essentially. Yeah. And I was like, I will, I will pay $19.99 to watch this movie because I want to support it. I want this system to work of figuring out how to make money off movies in and selfishly, as a parent... <laughs> We, like, the last movie I saw in theaters was Rise of Skywalker. I don't know what the next movie I'll see in theaters to be, is, like, is, will be, to be honest. Like, I don't anticipate going to the theater for a couple more years. No. (laughs) Partially because of COVID, but also partially because I have a young child getting a babysitter to go out to um, and pay $20 a ticket to go to a movie is just not something I'm interested in doing. Because at the end of the day, once you pay the babysitter, pay for the movie... 
um, you're at like $100 at least. And so I'm like, yeah, I'll pay $30 to watch a movie at home, but that's selfish. So that's, you know, not all parents, not all people are parents and not all people have the same. But, and I have seen complaints that like the $30 figure is a lot. And if you're going, if you were planning going to the theater to see Mulan alone, yeah, I agree. Like, cause you pay like anywhere from 15 to $20 a ticket probably. So yeah, that is more than you would pay. Um, and so that, that is like the one like, oh yeah, okay. I, I get that $30 is more, but if you're a family of four or even like two people, it's cheaper, it's cheaper, it's cheaper than going to the movies. Um, it is. Yeah. It's an interesting thing. I think a lot of, I think also tying it to the Disney plus subscription, because I don't think it's going to be released on demand yes, on any so you other already platform. have to be subscribing to Disney yeah. plus, And that is annoying. That is frustrating. That is a that is like a thing where I was like, you're just trying to get more subscriptions to a service, but then add an additional charge. Yeah. So like that is something where I'm like, you should have just put it everywhere for thirty dollars. Yeah. Or put it everywhere for thirty dollars and twenty dollars if you have Disney yep. Plus. You know, yep. like do something where you're not keeping it separate from everything and like for because I am not a fan of like platform specific um uh, things like this where you have like locked in locked in issues we used to see it we we saw it at the beginning of uh when ebooks were first making a yes. thing yeah. were, were first being a thing people were trying to do proprietary ebook uh files meaning like you had to get your ebook from the company that made the e-reader and it was just really annoying it was like this is you're making it so much harder yeah to like engage with your work and and why would you do that so like i i'm not a fan of that so i get that that part of it i'm like come on you couldn't just put it everywhere yeah no. but i I am i am i think we're both gonna watch it and oh we'll definitely watch it and record an episode about it yeah and we'll talk about it i love milan i love the movie i love the songs i hope they have some sort of homage to some of the songs that are classics yeah i was like i really want the like boss like techno oh yeah oh yeah yeah like no oh my god like and like where she's like you know with a sword and like cutting i mean i know she's not gonna cut off her hair because obviously she has long hair in the but at least like tying up the like the top knot like the oh my god so good and like it's the bane of my existence that the, the the that music was like toned down for the soundtrack. Yes. Like, cause I'm like, where's my like synthesizer? It's so good. Uh, anyway, um, um, but yes, I'm excited to see it. Like, selfishly, this real this model really works for me. I understand that it doesn't work for any everyone. Um, and I do feel bad for people who don't feel like they can afford to see it. Um, but. At the same time, like, I do want this model to succeed because I think putting, I think this, I think the one, one of the good things that this pandemic might be able to do is reduce the stranglehold that theaters have on, you know, film releases. And yeah, yeah, there's a, there's a really good article because I think a lot of people have issues, uh, there, the conversation always seems to be like theater versus streaming. Yeah, theater versus streaming. And I, I would love to have some sort of. Stream. I would love for them to be able to coexist. Yes, but there was also there was a really. I, I'm and I'll pay a premium. The thing is, I guess my thing is, I'll pay over what I would pay for a th- for two theater tickets to watch something on streaming. Like I would absolutely pay fifty bucks to be able to stream the latest Star Wars movie at home instead of having to go to a theater. But that's me. Oh, so you want the option? Yes. I think what's interesting is like the model has to shift. Like the there has to be a conversation in terms. Like there are a lot of like kind of legacy distribution models that have existed for a long time that haven't uh, really changed in like eighty years. Yeah. Right. And haven't really contended with how quickly our technology changed. Um, and in addition to that, we have the, like, monopolization of content and what that means for movie theaters and the complicated, like, licensing issues that exist within yeah. the theater world. Yeah. And so, like, 
I'm going to try to find this article from a few years, from maybe last year, uh, that kind of discussed how a lot of like smaller films don't benefit from the the theater industry in the way they do from streaming. And yeah. that I think is a far more interesting conversation. Yeah, like to be frank, Disney does not need our money. Like, let's just be honest about that. They don't. And like they can, you know, they're a giant, so they can. But yes, I, I would love to have, I would have loved to have seen, I would have paid a lot of money to see Going in the Green Knight in May uh, on streaming. Uh, I'm so... Uh, <laughs> like, it's it's one of those things which I, I, I don't understand. I don't know enough about the way film finances work, like mm-hmm. in terms of yeah. their best bet for making their money back, what they get from theaters versus what they get from streaming. Like, I don't, I don't know enough yeah, about it. I agree. I don't I, know. But I do think that this needs to, much in the way, like in book publishing, there there needs to be like a shift in conversation from um, distribution to pricing to like literally fundamentally changing the entire system. Yeah. That's revolutionary. Yeah. <laughs> and that is above our pay grade. Oh, but God. bottom line, we will be talking about Mulan in September. Oh man, speaking of uh speaking of independent art. Oh yeah. You wanna talk can, about this one? Yeah, we can talk about uh this game Raji that just dropped on Nintendo Switch last week. This week. Maybe earlier this week, this week I think. Earlier this week. Um and it is from it's 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 called an an ancient epic and it's set in ancient India, but it was kickstarted it's it's an independent game company called nodding head games i believe and they're based in india but they did work with people all over the world for this game and um right now it's only available for the switch i believe but it is opening up to in pc a couple months. like i think it's going to be on steam yeah so steam um and presumably if it does well other consoles in the future uh but it's it's really cool it's it's very authentically written it's about this girl whose brother was kidnapped by demons and so she has to go on an adventure to find him aided by the gods but they are the gods of the hindu pantheon and so you're playing and you're getting mythology from hinduism and it's just really interesting because i think a lot of us who grew up hindu engage with especially in this country engage with our religion in a very entertainment based way Mm -hmm. Right? Like mm-hmm. the Mahabharat serial, the comic books, like where you, you engage with it in like almost in a like s- a Percy Yeah Percy Jackson. It's a it's a for a lot of us, it's not and um as someone who is not does not consider I consider myself Hindu, but I'm not very religious. Um, it's more stories and legends than it is like do you, than it is I don't know what the word the alternate word I'm looking for, but like dogma yeah like authentic like it's a difference between like the way people regard like for example like ancient like the ancient greek religions or like ancient roman pantheon versus like christianity like it's not seen it's like stories yeah it's less it's less like parable based it's less like religious texts and more just stories yes and so I'm one surprised it took so long for something mm-hmm. like this to exist because it is such a kind of a rich, uh, rich like narrative mm-hmm. of story, right? Like there is drama, there's romance, there's action, mm-hmm. there's like revenge. Like it's it's very like dramatic, right? Uh, and so in it, you see pieces of like literally. Uh, Vishnu and Durga are narrating at mm-hmm. the beginning. I'm very, very, very early into the game. Like, I, I'm still kind of learning how to play. I'm just past the tutorial part of it. Um, but they're giving you pieces of the myth uh, in these, like, really beautiful ways, but also how the character engages with them is up to you. And it's not, like, this strict sense of right and wrong. It's very conversational, which I appreciate because that feels very authentic to me. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a cool... It's also, like, a really cool-looking game. Yeah, the visuals that I've seen are just stunning. They're they're beautiful. They're- so, yeah, you can buy... We'll put a 
link to buy it on you can buy it digitally on the switch i think it's like 20 dollars. it's not like you know a 60 dollar game or anything and yeah um, it's, it's cheap right now <laughs> feel free to check it out i think your one comment was it's better on a it's better to play it docked because um there is a lot going on on the screen yeah it's um i haven't I started it, on, it yet yeah i bought it on the switch Lite. it's it's uh everything is very small Mm-hmm. And so it makes it difficult to like read sometimes with or, our like, old you know, lady eyes. With I know. <laughs> sometimes I think that when I'm playing on like the handheld, um, especially so games that were designed for a uh, bigger screen and ported to the Switch, this was not ported. But um, I'm presumably the Steam design and this design are the same platform. And I'm like, it's too small. A little. I literally like. There's there was a tutorial bit, and I couldn't read the letters. I was like, are you telling me to hit Y or B? I don't know. Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> um, okay, so the next one's yours. Oh, yeah. So, well, I guess both the, the next two kind of go hand in hand a little yeah, bit. Yeah, we're gonna, okay. We're going to yeah. talk about, uh, like, uh, South Asians on TV. So, Deadline just announced yesterday, I think. Uh, that there's a new Disney Channel show called Spin coming out about a little girl who wants to be a DJ and wants to use her, like, Indian roots for her loops, which I think is cute. But what's mm-hmm. exciting, it's um, Avantika Vandanapu, who seems like they're setting her up to be, like, a Disney kid, you yeah. know, like, kind of a Zendaya, Selena Gomez kind of, because she was in... She voiced in Mira, the Royal Detective, and mm-hmm. she was in Diary of a Future President. Which, by the way, I have watched multiple episodes of Mira, Royal Detective. I don't think I've talked about it since watching it. It's super cute. I really like it. Anyway, back. But there is an effort, I think, to um, hire, you know, these people and, and focus not only on in front of the camera because they hired her to star in it, but uh, it's going to be directed by Manjari Makijani who is an Indian director. So that's super exciting because I think we need it both in front of and mm-hmm. behind the camera because also some not so great news this week was uh, that yep. the Patriot Act was canceled. Yep. Um, and I think we've talked before about how that's a show that engages with the South Asian community in a way that I've never seen before. Um, and so I don't know. I don't know what to say about it. It's a, it, I'll miss it. It's really, it sucks. Yeah, like, it just, it's just kind of, it's just kind of a sucky decision, you know. Like it's, it's one of those things that, like, we watch it. I think our immigrant parents watch it. It's, it's a progressive show that spoke to multiple audiences within the community that mm-hmm. has not necessarily really happened before. Um, and it's, it's just a bummer. It's just a bummer to lose. A, a piece of a, it's it's a bummer to lose a voice at the table. Yep. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Um. Okay. So today's episode <laughs> is all about. We're going <laughs> to talk about the first three episodes of Star Trek Lower Decks because I convinced Preeti to watch it, and I I think this is going to be a really um I'm excited to hear thoughts because um this is a show. So if you we've talked about it a bit before on here but um it's a animated half hour comedy um kind of set among the not the most important ship in the federation and it stars like kind of the junior officers the ensigns and it basically um it really balances between poking fun at star trek but in a very loving way like it's a show you laugh with not at which i think is super important and a lot of like parody style shows have not gotten right um because you don't want to feel like like there's a difference between feeling like oh that hurts but I mean they have a point but that hurts like that's not uh like when somebody makes a joke versus like oh my god they're so right ha 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 like it's and it does the latter really well okay so um I guess let's talk non-spoilers and then um we can get into spoilers so Preeti I'm curious to see like it's a Star Trek show. Chances are I was going to love it regardless. But you, a lot of the jokes are kind of canon based. Um, they're about knowing, kind of knowing lore. And so what did you think? 
Uh, I really loved it. I was laughing really hard from the very beginning, as you know, because I was texting. Yes, I did. Not, I knew it. the answer to this question. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's not so. What I enjoyed was like it was. I know enough about Star Trek that I could understand probably like ninety five percent of the yeah. jokes. You know, mm-hmm. like there was enough that I know of. Star Trek from just osmosis, not even necessarily like watching the show, but just like knowing what watching Star people Trek talk is. about it on Twitter, like right, watching watching past like editions of things that send up Star Trek, like whether it's through Robot Chicken or like whatever. That there are jokes that I could understand, and it's also like like you said, like what I loved about it is that it never it never felt like it was trying to be too cool for school. It, yeah. was ne- it, it never felt like it was kind of like disgusted by its own basis, which is one of the worst things that can happen. I think when yeah. people try to like engage with a story in an ironic way, mm-hmm. um, but rather this really feels like what if you just put real people in Starfleet, like yeah. actual people who have issues and, maybe aren't like superheroes but are just like people yeah mm-hmm. um and one thing i love about it is i've talked before about i feel like not every sh- series needs to serve every audience like discovery right. i think is more aimed towards newer viewers i don't think like if you are if canon is really important to you um then it's not probably not going to be your favorite show. And I think that's okay. Like there are some people, their love of Star Trek is rooted in its history. And as long as your issues aren't sexist, racist, homophobic, you know, et cetera, then I think it's fine if that's not your favorite show. Like there are legitimate criticisms to be made. And then same with Picard. That's a show that was kind of, it's aimed at kind of the nostalgia and the, um, you know, it's aimed at, you know, the diehard next gen fans. And it's, it's, it's a great show in and of itself, but like not all these shows have to appeal to every audience is kind of the Mm -hmm. thing. And so I think the thing about lower decks and what I was concerned about a little bit and I'm not anymore is that it is clearly and always has been aimed at like kind of like the central audience. I think a wide variety of audiences can enjoy it, but the central audience is the like longtime fans. And I think they did a really, they did a really important thing by placing um, a black woman Mariner as the main character, because it sends a message like it's only for some of you diehard fans. Like it's not going to be for the diehard fans whose issues are racist Mm -hmm. and and stuff like that. But it's for like, I don't think there's any problem with catering to an audience that has, supported faithfully supported your franchise for you know 40 years like there's nothing wrong with that and i'm so glad actually that this show exists because they've also like you said they've done a really good job of making it accessible and um i think they've balanced that stuff really well and i think we're going to probably get into spoilers at this point so i know i'm laughing as i'm just thinking about all of the things oh my god okay let's get into spoilers (laughs) because it's so fucking funny like oh my god it's so funny. Like, it's just, I don't even know, like, just the little jokes here and there. First of all, so, okay, so we have four main characters, Mariner, Boimler, who, Preeti's like, I am Boimler. I am Boimler. I love him so much. And then Tendi and Rutherford, we haven't gotten to know as well, but I think, you know, that's coming. Um, the f- pilot is a little bit, it's an uneven. Um, it's a little bit frenetically paced. They mm-hmm. just jammed a lot of stuff in there. And like one of my concerns with the show was um, it comes from Mike McMahon who kind of cut his teeth on Rick and Morty. And one of my issues with Rick and Morty and why I don't really love it is like kind of the gross out humor. Yeah, it gets a little crude. It gets a little crude. It's just like, you know, like people constantly like vomiting or like, you know, do like on screen. And it's just not for me. Like, it's fine. There's nothing wrong with it, but like, just not for me. And I was concerned a little bit after the first episode, because there is a lot of like, uh, yeah, there's a lot of like people eating other people and like, you know, like there's, there's a little bit of that. So I was like, uh, I hope like it was fine. It didn't bother me so much in the pilot, but I was like, I hope that's not the direction the show goes. And it's absolutely not. Um, I actually have enjoyed every episode more so far, and um, I don't know. It's so funny. It is It is very much like it felt very, uh, and not just because of the sci-fi animated piece of it, but it did feel very Futurama to me in yeah. that it has 
so much heart. It's very, very funny. It's definitely like a send up of some of the more like absurd pieces mm-hmm. of Star Trek. Um, but it 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 never feels like any of the characters don't want to be there. Yeah. Like everybody loves being a part of Starfleet mm-hmm. in different ways. Yes. Um and yeah, I was a little nervous after that first episode. I think and I think I told like, you. I was like, look, just stick with it. Watch the first two episodes back to back. Because this first second episode really establishes kind of the heart of the show. Mm-hmm. Like with with yeah. uh, when Mariner and Boimler, which one thing I really appreciate about Boy appreciate about Boimler is he's never portrayed as a hapless idiot. No, because like he, it would be very easy to his own way. yeah, like it would very be be very easy like as opposite to Mariner's like capability to. Pro- to like portray Boimler as something who someone is who like can't get anything done, but instead, no, he just prefers duty and protocol. And like in the third episode, he's the most capable one there is. It's just like I don't know. I really just like the characters are all drawn with such consideration, and like that at the same way, but Mariner could be seen as like completely reckless and out there. And yeah, she is reckless, but she has her own system and method of doing things, and she gets results. Yeah, she works. And yeah. and something that I think, like, it's almost like there's a, there's a moment that can be a microcosm of, of this show. And it's that um, the episode when, shoot, I watched them all, like, back to back. And now I'm trying to remember. Okay, so the first happened. episode is the zombie, like, the zombie right. one. The second episode is um, the Klingon and the Ferengi on the surface. Right. Where uh, Tendi and Rutherford um, are back on the planet. And Rutherford, like, runs through different departments. And the third one is the fight on the planet where Commander Ransom and um, Mariner that, go get captured. Rutherford wants to take a break from engineering. That's the second one. That's the second one. So in that moment, in that episode, when Rutherford wants to take a break from engineering and he's like freaking out about telling his uh, engineering boss. Oh, And there's like this moment of like, you want to leave. And then he's like, that's great. Try new things. And they do that a few times. And it kind of reasserts this notion of like, everyone really likes being here. And it doesn't matter what part of the what what piece you're like what part you're playing in the whole as long as you're finding fulfillment exactly and that's that's kind of what the basis is because you see that in boimler and mariner like you were saying like it's not necessarily she's good he's bad it's she loves what she does but she wants to do it her way and he loves what he does but he wants to do it his way and his way is more more books less on the job her way is like very instinct based absolutely 100% on the job and like and she not... would make me anxious in real life if I was like partnered yes. with her oh she would just God. make me anxious oh she would be the person God. who would be like oh we don't need to plan ahead and figure out where we're eating on our day out we'll just sure. play it by ear and find a place and I would just be like, no, I can't. I'm sorry. I need to have like three options mapped out based on what we may or may not do. <laughs> and <laughs> this is why Preeti and I are friends. <laughs> it's just, and everyone is so, like, so uh, Tawny Newsom plays Mariner. She's so um, good. So good. Jack Quaid, who I am surprised to say that I am just like, Every time I watched a um, a rom com he did with uh, Maya, now I can't remember her last name. It's on Hulu um, from Pen Fifteen, and I was like, man, I really like you. You you lean into this kind of like kind of uh, generic white guy role really well, but with like a hint of like I know who I am and I know like what I represent right now. <laughs> Twenty, and I feel like he brings that energy to Boimler really really well. I agree. <laughs> They're both really strong. Yes. And they have great chemistry. The voice acting in the show generally I've been really impressed with. Um, And like going back to what you were talking about, about uh, the kind of senior officers, they are portrayed as a little bit hapless sometimes, like a little too, um, a little too involved in, which honestly, like part of what I love about the show is it is a Star Trek show because 
you've seen the decay of Starfleet over, this is set something a few years after the next generation, like seven years, I think, after next gen. So before, between next gen and Picard, basically. And like, we've seen the decay, kind of the decay in the upper ranks of Starfleet between next gen and Picard. So like, it makes sense in the larger context of things. But it's Mm -hmm. also, it's also like, yes, they're all, they're all a little bit, you know, they're all a little bit like, not consumed, I don't want to say, but their their rank and their their uh you know all that is very important to them. But at the end of the day, they still want to support. You know, like it's just like it's like like you said, like they still want to support their crew, even if it might look better for the engineering boss for Rutherford to be on his team. He wants Rutherford to be, and they are capable to be, you know, like fulfilled, and they are capable leaders. Like when Ransom in that scene where like he's like when um Rutherford got like the pre-K and the kindergarten and all the kids like like in the simulation um when he lost all of them and he's like indecisive and can't figure out what to do and Ransom's like so okay and he's so nice about it and I'm like oh my god this is amazing (laughs) oh my god yeah I I did enjoy the I I enjoy that doesn't let us expect what it's going to do yes like it it takes us to a point and then goes a little bit left instead of going forward um that's been really enjoyable to me because it's gotten a lot of like very big laughs out of me yeah like the ransom um um, the ransom when he like stabs mariner and then goes out and then he does the like guns thing with his arms like oh (laughs) oh my god and then and but then at the end of the day like she's trying to be nice and then he like sends her to the brig for not rolling down her sleeves he she's like i'll kill you and drink your blood and like, oh <laughs> my god i laughed so hard it's so funny it's just such a really smart show it's just honestly um, it's the delight we need right now like it's just Mm-hmm. It is delightful. Like, I don't know. Like, I told people after the first episode, like, a bunch of people reached out to me privately and were like, look, should I subscribe to All Access for the show or should I just wait for Discovery? And after the first episode, I was like, it's good. I think you should watch it, but wait for Discovery. And now I'm like, no. Like, I am, like, I am clamoring for these episodes because it's just, like, it's, like, it's so funny. It's so funny. I love it. I do. I mean, that's not a surprise. It's- but <laughs> it's, I'm I'm I guess like I the most apt comparison I can make is Futurama I think because Futurama had a very similar like it's it's a little bit of a found family it's it's about these relationships building it's you know it's getting to see the absurdity of some of the things that we are obsessed with yeah you know, it, and it's taking on all of these things, but never making you feel bad for liking the thing you like. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I'm like, and like, and it's been interesting because when I'm doing recaps at Vulture, hey, you should read them um, <laughs> episode by episode. And one thing I was honestly concerned about when I was, <laughs> when I was pitching them, I hope my editor's not listening to this, um, was like, will I f- be able to write a thousand words every week about a half hour animated comedy like honestly like I don't know but so far I haven't had a problem at all like the first episode obviously like you talk about the first episode and the second one there's this theme of like belonging running through the episode like we've never seen that in Star Trek like these people just wanting to belong because bridge officers by their nature and by their roles even if they don't want to be there they belong they're a part of the clique they're they know their place these officers are still trying to figure it out. So with Boimler and Mariner, with that storyline, it's kind of like Boimler's trying to figure out. I think Mariner is a very capable leader, and she hasn't figured that out yet. Mm-hmm. Like, she likes being in the lower ranks because she can kind of get away with doing whatever she wants um, without somebody looking over her shoulder. But I think she's an incredibly capable leader. I think she'd make a fantastic captain, and she just doesn't realize it yet and doesn't want it for herself um boimler feels like he belongs in starfleet but then he's like that is his purpose but then he sees mariner being in some ways like a quote-unquote better starfleet officer than him and he like gets really disillusioned and it's not better it's just different like it's not 
constant like back and forth and this constant struggle like that's a very human struggle and that's a very human and then like you see it with Tendi and Rutherford too where he just doesn't want to disappoint his friend so he's willing to like change his entire career path so he doesn't disappoint her and and then I think you know he finally tells her like no I can't do it and she's like okay I'll just change my plan so I can watch with you and like the like I think like he's never had a friend like that just you know what I mean like it's just like the belonging in that episode is like so like it's such a real emotion and they capture it so well and then in the third episode it's um I don't remember (laughs) I've completely blanked um oh no it's productivity like I talk about like the like millennial like obsession with Preeti and I are both guilty of this like obsession with productivity and like Mm -hmm. try whereas like we need to all relax and we just think like, no, 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 no. I can just squeeze a little more productivity out of this. And like, they're talking about real issues and real themes and very timely ones. Like I know this was all written and stuff before the pandemic, but this is all like work-life boundaries and, you know, like finding your, you know, people and finding your circle and finding your worth when, we're all stuck at home and can't go anywhere and yeah. can't socialize. I'm like, what do you do? Like, I feel like this is all very, like, relevant stuff. No, I agree with you. Well, like, 100%. And I do want to very quickly shout out Eugene Cordero, who voices Rutherford, a.k.a. Pillboy from The Good Place. I love him so much. Rutherford might be my favorite, but, like, I, I I really want to, like, I don't know. I keep saying Mariner's my favorite. But, like, I really want to, um, like, when he's sitting on the bridge and they're, like, Romulans are firing or whoever's firing. And he's, like, uh, <laughs> like, oh, my God. I laugh because, oh, my God. Like, that's, it's so good. It's, it's exactly, like, that's the thing, right? It's, these are the people that, these are the real people. So, like, yes, we, I think... So many of us would want to be Mariner. We would want to be that, like, kind of, like, do whatever you want. You're really good at you, But you're, like, really good. You're, you're like, the chosen one, right? But really, a lot of us are either Rutherford or Boimley or Boimler or Tendi, where you're like, scrambling and trying to find your place. Uh, fire phasers? Like, I just, like, uh, uh, people are firing at me and I don't know what to do. Like, oh, my God. Like, it's so real. And, um, I don't know. I just, I I really like this show. Like, I just, I think it's so, like, and it's, like, it's just, and I've seen, like, criticisms here and there of it. And, um, you know, it's not a perfect show. Nothing is. Like, but I think it, it does a lot in terms of giving us something new and something different while also very much being a Star Trek show. It's still... You know, like, at the end of the day, all these four people want to do is help people. Like, the first episode, like, Mariner talks a lot about, you know, like, part of her my issues with Starfleet is it gets in the way of just helping people. Right. And, like, that's so important. And she's not wrong. Um, I have to apologize. I feel like I've been popping a lot this conversation because I took off my pop filter on my mic because it was annoying me. And now I'm, like, every time I, like, get emphatic and start talking and I hear the pop, I'm like, I'm sorry! So, apologies. I'll, I'll fix it before the next one. Um, but, anyways, no, it's a good show. I think if you're on the fence, um, I don't think there's anything wrong. Discovery starting back up in October. I don't think anything is wrong, which is waiting till then and binging the whole thing. But if you're, like, desperate for content, you know, like, there's not a lot. Yeah, there's not a lot of stuff coming on. Like, I would wait, like, you know a week because we're on episode three right now i think it's like a 10 episode for a season so wait till like episode five is coming out and then watch like two a week for five weeks um it's it's a good show it's worth watching i guess i guess that kind of wraps that up right? yep um i'm and i'm writing down the time so i can put spoiler stuff in our show notes okay what are we into Okay, okay, so my two things, my two things this week. First, um, so what I was referring to before, I'm doing, I'm listening to the audiobook of Afra, Dr. Afra by um, Sarah Kun, Kun, I think Kun wrote it, um, realizing I've never said her name out loud. Um, 
She wrote it. It's performed by Emily Wu Zeller um, as Afra, but also a full cast. Like it's an audio. It's not. It's not a. There's no equivalent print book. It's like an audio drama. Um, and it's really good. It's really funny. Sarah really nails like Afra's kind of self-deprecating sense of humor and her voice. It's really well done. Um, I'm really enjoying it. And um, I'm maybe like halfway through. It's only like five hours long. It's pretty short. Um, if you're not an audio fan and you've been like looking to get to audiobooks, because sometimes like audio is the only thing I can really like wrap my head around right now. Uh, these are actually, there's two of them now. There's this one and then Dooku, Dooku Lost by Kevin Scott. Um, I recommend both of these because they're audio, they're written as audio dramas. So they're designed to be performed and they're kind of really good, nice gateway into especially if you're well versed in the star wars universe it's you know if you kind of tune in and tune out which happens naturally in audiobooks um you're not gonna you're not gonna like be completely lost um so highly recommend that it's really good and then um i'm also playing fire emblem three houses um i'm writing about it in my um video column at sci-fi fangirls which is take it easy mode but it's a, a game that was um, highly recommended to be my to me by multiple people, but I read the description of it and it didn't really capture me. Um, but I went back to it after my friend Jeff was like, "No, no, you have to play this. You have to play this. You have to play this." I was like, "Fine." So like he convinced me by saying it was like Game of Thrones meets Harry Potter meets something else, Full Metal Alchemist, and I was like. <laughs> Okay, that that description, okay, I have to give this a try. And it's really good. I'm like 20 hours in, and I feel like there's a long way to go. And it has really good replayability because you kind of have to, like, choose a house. Kind of like in Harry Potter, you choose a house to lead. And then, but you can have a different experience of gameplay by choosing a different house. So um, I think that's really exciting because, you know, if you buy a $50 game, you want there to be some, you know replayability but I'm also 20 hours in and I feel like I've barely scratched the surface of the game so there's um there's a lot there's a lot to do it's a really fun game so highly recommended and read my newsletter or read my column when it comes out next (laughs) week I will I will stand up for this column it's really good I've gotten a lot of really nice feedback I really appreciate it if you've read it and said nice things like I've never received the amount of feedback from something as I have positive feedback Lord, I've received a lot of negative feedback for things I've written, but like I've never, I've never gotten so many tweets about just like I'm so glad this exists. Um, Easy so it's mode nice. needs more representation. <laughs> Bad gamers unite! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I am, as I mentioned earlier, watching the second season of Umbrella Academy, and and kind of having a similar experience that I had with the first, which was like. It's fun. It's fine. I think it benefits a lot by having a very charismatic cast where you're like, I just want to watch these people. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm enjoying these people. There's a lot more Justin H. Min this season, which I appreciate, uh, who plays Ben and is painfully handsome and very good on screen. Um, But I'm in the middle of that. And then also I've been watching. I, I needed, like, trying to balance my intake of what I'm watching and reading and and a lot of it is like okay if i'm watching something super heavy which i'm also going through the sopranos right now so Ooh. something super heavy uh i was balancing that with uh the 1994 spider-man cartoon which is on disney plus which has been a trip because i've i've watched a lot of the spider-man animated series i think i love like superhero cartoons i think they're super fun like the ultimate spider-man cartoon from a couple years ago is just an like just a blast it was just really enjoyable and this one's very funny. It's very much of its time. So you've got, like, Peter and, like, how do I balance Felicia Hardy and MJ? And how do I date them both? And you're like, you're kind of a jerk, but it's fine. Um, but it's also bringing in, like, very early CG. So you get these, like, shots of animated Spider-Man swinging through a digital version of New York, which is hilarious. Um, but it's been really, it's it's really fun. And then, of course, I'm reading Amazing Spider-Man because why not? Like, just kind of revisiting old issues, which I really enjoy. Um, and then in terms of what I'm working on, 
obviously the books, which I've mentioned many times because this is how writers make a living. Uh, but also I started a newsletter if you would like to sign up for it. The first issue is going out next week and it's preeti.substack.com, we'll which I link. do not know how I got that. Like, I know, because like, I am also doing a newsletter, right? but and the first issue will probably also go out next week. So I guess I'll put, I haven't written it yet though. So like I have been saying the first issue will go out for like four weeks, but we'll put links to both of them in the show notes. But I yeah, tried for swapna.substack.com and Swapna is not a super common Indian name. No, Preeti is much more common. So <laughs> I didn't get it, but that's fine. I don't, I'm not sad I was about like, it. am I the only Preeti in the world who wants to write a newsletter? And maybe, uh, <laughs> but yeah, we'll put, we'll put those links in the, in the show notes and you should sign up for them. I'll have mine. Mine is written mostly. I have a few things that I have to do, but there will be a giveaway in the first Yay. issue. So definitely sign up for it. Uh, and yeah, I think that is the, I mean, a million other things. Cause there's nothing else to do right now, but like watch TV and read books and, and try to not think about the real world uh, so but that's it that's all I'm going to talk about on this show um, so we are a part of the Hard Knock Life podcast network you can find all the podcasts in the Hard Knock Media family at hardknockmedia.com today we want to shout out the Middle Geeks whose July 25th episode is all about the old guard and cancel culture and of course thank you to our Patreon supporters so thank you to Meredith Ronnie and Maya at the $12 level and Patrick, Jordan, Ani, Brandy, Shelly, Claire, Brian, Robert, Sylvia, Chris, and the Knott family, and Priya at the $5 level. We are always so supportive. And if you want to get in on our Patreon, you can go to patreon.com slash Girls because we have awesome pins, a tote bag, and stickers. Yeah, we've got, we I think like the mentioned. first tote bags are going out to $12 subscribers in, like in September. I'm so excited about them. They're so cute. I just want to walk around with my cute little Daisy Geek I know. I want to, like, put my pin on and, like, go out and, you know, except, you know, pandemic. But anyway, so. <laughs> yep. Sucks. Uh, in the meantime, like everyone else, you can find us on Twitter at Daisy Geek Girls. I am at Run With Scissors. I am at S. Krishna. And until next time. We will see we'll you. see you. In, in hell. Hell. <laughs> <laughs>